Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio a live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering questions, Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life. Whatever's on your heart, you need only to provide the phone call, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And remember, as always, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and you will be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, I've got a guest here today with me. We'll still take any questions that you have, but we're not going to take the questions that have been sent in, just any phone calls that come in, because I've got a lot to talk with Pastor John about. Please keep our ladies in prayer. As you know, they are at our ladies' retreat, and uh, Pastor John's wife, Laura, is our featured speaker, and uh, we're already getting some good reports about neat stuff going on over there, so please keep them in prayer. They will end tomorrow about noon, and then Paula can come home and clean up the mess that I've made. <laughs> My guest is Pastor John Cowan from, well, I, you know, it's not an easy thing when I say Pastor John Cowan from. Uh, right. It used to be ideal. Calvary Chapel, Sacramento, California. Yeah. That's where planted pastor 26 years. Then we were out in Salt Lake City. And now I'm with Poyman Ministries. And uh, that that takes us uh, on assignment from the Lord to wherever we're needed and whatever is good. I'm currently in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, we were in Bishop, <laughs> California, uh, up in Truckee, helped with uh, Seaside, Oregon. I mean, you know, been yeah, we've been all over. I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> we've been talking about the weather in Ottawa, Canada, uh, yeah. and it's just unfathomable to me. So, um, boy, what, what a what a tough but 
obviously you guys have fallen in love with the people there in Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've had Bill Holdridge on this program yeah, a couple okay. of times from the pastors' conferences, and and he's sort of uh, the, he's the founder the lead of, guy, of uh, Poiman of our ministry. Yeah. yeah. And so it's neat. I'll get it. We'll get another perspective. Um, but John, I got so much to talk to you about. You know, um, talk a little bit about about going into a church that's either not healthy mm-hmm. or transitioning from a loss. What are some of the biggest um, challenges that you face? Well, you know, the 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 challenge, to be honest, is helping a church regain. You know, hope, confidence, I mean, faith, really, uh, in the Lord, because so often, you know, uh, and it's not always this way, but just uh, so often in the situation we've been involved in, we're coming to a situation where the pastor's leaving maybe has been after kind of a time of decline, Maybe the pastors, for various reasons, kind of become slowly dis- less engaged with the church for a few years. Maybe there's a number of factors that could play into it. I mean, a couple of the churches, the pastor died when yeah. in one case totally suddenly. So it, there's we're, different situations. Yeah, we at Calvary Chapel, we're not getting any younger. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I mean that's part of where we're we're raised up because it is you know there's a place, time and a place. Uh, I mean that's kind of a. A secondary thing, but but honest, uh, one of the things we do see is there are a number of churches where the pastor should be transitioning, um, because it's just it's time. And and the problem sometimes with the, with the pastors as well is to I, I want to encourage them to know that look, the, it may be time for the sake of the church for you to to transition, bring someone else. But that has nothing to do with what God wants to do with your life. As long as you make yourself available, God has plenty of places and opportunities for you. And that's been my own experience. Well, as well. If you show up at our door knocking in a few years, uh, Lord, is it time for, <laughs> time for me to step away? Well, you know, because it's not in our thinking as Calvary chapels, yeah. especially, we are trying to encourage guys to think proactively. Because what we do, we we would say is the second best choice for transitioning to church. The first choice is to identify the guy, he, ideally from within the church, but even bring outside, but identify a guy and have an overlap of a year or more with the the senior pastor to a slow transition to the next pastor. That's really the most healthy thing that we're seeing out there today. Yeah. John, but, what are some of the differences uh, that, that you, you would encounter in Canada as opposed to uh, a church here in the United States? Well, that's it. it you know, it, it's, both easy and hard to answer because I'm I'm still trying to figure out what what it is. But I'll tell I'll tell you one. You've one, been there a year, right? Yeah, it's been yeah, over a year. Yeah. But I'll tell you one very clear difference between a Canadian church and and a, a U.S. church is, you know, uh, I was in California with the church mostly uh, during the COVID time and the various controversies with masks and vaccination. Mm -hmm. Well, I knew where everybody in the church was in the U.S. churches that I was connected with. In Canada, they had the convoy uh, protest here in Ottawa because Ottawa is the the national capital. 
And, you know, they had these truckers come in and they were protesting against the vaccinations and some of the restrictions with that and all that, you know. Uh, and, and my first reaction was, you know, well, in the U.S., it's just another protest. But I discovered for Canada, this was like completely unprecedented. Oh, wow. You know, and it, and it, a lot of it was just not that many, um, blocks from where the church meets. I was actually contacted by the convoy and I, my, I was a, an on-call chaplain for the protest group. I uh, didn't get called, but I was, I was connected with it. But my point was, if, if that was in the U.S., I would know who's who in the church. I'd know who's cheering them on and who's saying, well, I don't know. I don't think I support that. In Canada, everybody, there's a surface politeness, which in one sense is kind of refreshing. Yeah. Uh, I, you get kind of tired of the conflicts in a lot of the churches and Christians over some of this issue. Yeah, civility is a nice thing. The, but <laughs> but that meant that I couldn't tell. You know, I, I had one comment by one person that told me, I think they're kind of following the, the government perspective on this. But I said, but I know there's others with a different view. It wasn't until weeks after it was over, I realized we had a contingent of people out there with signs cheering the truckers on when they came to town. But um, now, and because, of course, I'm there, so where in the States I might have more to say about uh, government things. In Canada, you know, it's like they, they, they have a love-hate relationship with the U.S. Yeah. You know, they love the U.S., but they, they don't don't appreciate somebody from the U.S. kind of telling them what's what. Yeah. And uh, so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that uh with them, but uh, but that was star- stark contrast, because here I'd know where people are. There, you could, as far as the Sunday ambiance, the 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 normal reactions, you wouldn't know. John, in some of these churches, especially unhealthy churches, or or, or hurting churches, yeah. Um, sometimes it's a pastor's failure. Other times it's a pastor's death. So people are hurting. And you, I love that you said, you know, give, give churches hope as part of the mission. Um, are, are people a little skeptical of you at first because you're a stranger coming in? Well, you know, it, it's a mixed thing. There is some of that. I mean, that's why I always say the, the, the most important thing that we have to do, in my mind, when I come into a church, basically I'm thinking, my main goal for the first few months, maybe three months, is to listen. Uh, there's two things. It's to just to listen to people because they're hurting. I, I need to hear their stories. Because a lot of times I'm wondering, why why is a church like this? What what happened? You know, what's contributed to, to this, you know, this discouragement, really? Um, and it's, I'll listen to the stories and then see where what the common threads are. Uh, and, but the other part of it is we just want to meet with and you know build good, loving relationships with the people and especially the key people because we've got to have their trust. And uh, thankfully, the Lord's blessed that we we have we gain their trust because sometimes my presence there, it's not welcome. In other words, well. We don't like change, and, yeah. and you represent change. We don't know you. You know, and, and, and there is a flip side. On one hand, I do feel it's part part of my role because I'm all focused on what can I do to help the church be as, as healthy or healthier 
for when the next guy comes. So that, to me, means sometimes it's like if I can be the focus of some angst and difficulty while people are going through things, it's not really, it's not me, it's just what I represent. If I can absorb some of that, uh, then that's that much less that the next guy will have to, mm-hmm. to do. So there's some of that. But we've been blessed to have really good, trusting relationships, which is essential to be able to lead them for uh, to trust us. But they're so discouraged. I mean, we say we're here, we're, we're here to trust the Lord with you is way I'll put it up front. But what we've learned is we so often the truth is we're here to trust the Lord for you until you're ready to start trusting the Lord again. Now, this isn't something we've talked about uh, prior to this, but but it just occurred to me. Are, are, are some of those people going to be hurt again because they've grown attached to you and to Laura? Yeah, we're still trying. <laughs> that's that's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, uh <clears throat> You know, I would say sometimes that's part of the challenge where people, you have mixed, you have people that begin to trust you and you need their trust to lead, but you need to not always be focusing on, well, this is transitional, but you need to be reminding them that we're here for a specific time for a specific purpose. And uh, so you do get that. Uh, sometimes it's the opposite where people even though they really appreciate what we're doing, they're holding back relationally. And we like to work relationally with people. Uh, So, yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag. You know, you mentioned you like to work relationally with people, you know, even even among Calvary chapels. Mm -hmm. Um, There there are differences of opinion, you know, don't don't get too involved with the people personally or socially. Right. And and, and others say, no, it's family. That's the kind of way we operate here. Hey, this is family. You don't hold yourself in a safe place from family. Um, It's it's um, if it's a family environment and that's what the Bible teaches us church is. Then necessarily we we got to be vulnerable. We got to expose ourselves. Transparent. I imagine mm-hmm. when you go someplace new, you got to be really transparent. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, how, how do people respond to that? Well, they do. I mean, a lot of what we what we find, you know, and I I look at it like I'm still learning. Um, uh, you know, so uh, you know we're. I, I'm still kind of learning. How how can I do this better each time? I and mean, the Lord blesses it. I'm totally dependent on Him, but I'm still wanting to learn. You know, what am I learning each time, Lord, that can help me the next time do do even better, help the church? But um, you know, they um, we 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 yeah we we need their trust, but. Uh, so often uh, the stories that I, I, I they need us to be able to let them know there's life after this transition. A lot of the times, what we find is people are literally asking, "Is the church going to die?" Yeah. Because a lot of times, what there's been is there's been a slow attrition. You know, I mean, churches that have maybe been large and and really vibrant, and they've they slowly declined, and so often when a transition comes, that that decline kind of may speed up a little bit more, increase a little more. And so there's that feeling like, wow, are, is the church about ready to fall off the cliff? And 
And so just for us to say, look, guys, we've we've watched what the Lord will do. If we will, if you will, we, he won't just do it automatically. If we sit back, we've got to trust him. We've got to trust him and engage and believe the Lord and just follow him. Be about him together. Let's walk through this together. Uh, that makes a big difference. We need that encouragement for us to be able to say, look, we've been we've been at this church, this church, this church. They were totally discouraged. People were saying, why don't you just shut the doors? And let me tell you now, they're they're doing good. They're vibrant. They're mm-hmm. great. And cool. It's kind of, they need to hear that. And we, 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 we're all like that. You know, we, we hope like without that. hope we, we die. An encouragement, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you, now you're you're looking for Canadian national to to take over that. Church. Yeah, that's making it a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, it's a smaller field to go from. We're, we're not there. The church has a high value for Canadian, and to be honest, being there, I would say I understand that. You, you, there's there there are things about the culture and the people that it just is going to be vital. For a pastor, but they're not completely closed because you know the bottom line is we want who the Lord has, and uh, you always look for it to be when it is the right person, the right guy, and and his wife and family that there's just that sense of yes, hmm. you know, this is the one. I, I'm smiling because Paula told me when when she was picking up the airport. She said, yeah, they're in the restroom taking off layers of clothes. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, it was, I don't know, what was it? it was like five degrees maybe when we got on the plane, maybe colder. And so we're all bundled up, yeah, for that. It was 85 the day that you arrived. Yeah, right. Well, I, I already told you this, but I love, I love being able to wear my shorts again. Yeah. I mean, shorts and sandals. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my stuff. But I haven't have been in these for over a year. John, let's talk for a couple of minutes about, about Laura. Laura, is, uh, you're here because mm-hmm. Laura is our featured speaker at our, our women's retreat that's going on. Yeah. And you're going to be here Sunday. I'm, you're going to be preaching yeah. uh, here Sunday at Calvary Chapel San Antonio. Uh, what, are the, what are the ladies experiencing with Laura? Well, I've only gotten one call from her, and she was just excited. She hadn't spoken yet. So, but knowing what happens when she does this, because, you know, she's so gifted, and it usually takes me kind of encouraging her to say yes to these things. She's kind of reluctant. But, you know, what they're going to be, I mean, my wife is so amazing. <laughs> she loves Jesus, she's all in for Jesus. And she actually has a great ministry. Uh, she has a blog and and uh, that she does almost daily on Facebook. She'll do a little devotional thing. And one of the things that people really appreciate is she's really uh, self-deprecating. Or I mean, she's very real. She talks about you know her struggles, what she's thinking that people can relate to. Oh man, I struggle with that. But what she's got is the story of victory. You know, we're all, you know, we're all just sinners saved by grace. And so she's good at bringing out just the raw humanity and yet such a creative way of how she sees Jesus in everything and trusts him and the lessons that he teaches her and she passes on. So I know the ladies are just being richly, richly blessed, you know. I know she's also sharing a you know, particular story that we went through as kind of a backdrop um, to one piece of what she's sharing is, is just learning to kind of overcome fear. Yes, yeah. fear is so pervasive. 
uh, a, such a worn, well-worn tool of the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. You told me uh, in our we were talking. You told me that she was basically shy and and not she doesn't want to be out front. But you wouldn't know it talking to her because she's just no. So well, worn. she's not anymore. You know. Uh, she's not anymore, uh, but you know, and it's—I mean, it's—it's it's a whole principle, as you know. Marriage, as husbands, we're called to Ephesians five to love and nurture our wives. And boy, I tell guys, if you love and nurture your wife, you'll find that the Lord has put gifts and and blessings in her that you—if you water them with love and in the Lord, they will come out and you will be amazed at what God's planted in your wife. But you may not see it if you don't, you know, nurture, nurture her. And so for my wife is an example of that. Yeah, when, when we met before, even before we were dating in college, she'd hold a stack of books uh, between classes and walk fast because she was so shy. She wanted to look like she was in a hurry and nobody would talk to her. <laughs> now she, she'll she say, see what you did to me? <laughs> now she's just, she is gregarious and, uh, yeah. Now, I mean, we, we, we go places, and, and especially she loves missions and stuff. So, I mean, if we go somewhere, I'm going to look next thing. If I turn my head, i I got to find her because she's found some group. Uh, especially she loves if they're from another country or culture, she loves to just get in the middle of it, and you know. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Her and Paula really hit it off, just just texting back and forth and talking about the the conferences coming up. So I'm excited to see what happens when they come back Saturday. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be good. And you've been married how long? And you told me this eight, is our fiftieth year. It'll be fifty years in June. Fifty years, and you said you had eight kids. We have eight kids, yes. Eight kids, 13 grandkids. So how, how are you adjusting to the empty nest? Loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. Yeah, I mean, we we were talking earlier, yeah, with eight kids and our lifestyle always included other people living with us uh, and kind of the extended church family. You know, so we were just used to that. And that was wonderful. But... Uh, but we also, we really enjoy doing life and ministry together. Yeah. And she's a full partner in our ministry. When, you know, because you go to a church, yeah, I'm kind of the, the guy that's got to lead things and assure the church and stuff. But then when they they see Laura, I mean, actually, to be honest, sometimes I've had, we've, we've talked about what she might need to back off a little because she is such an incredible pastor's wife with so much ministry. It's like we don't want to make it harder on the next pastor wife when they show up. But she is such a model of someone that, of hospitality. Yeah, I can't imagine love, her holding care back. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> so. Can't imagine that. You know, one of the things we were talking about, John, and, and you and I are in a, in a really blessed position, but our wives are really our best friends. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what makes the empty nest really sweet. It's not like we don't want our kids. Right, know, right. But, no, we but, love but, love it when yeah, we see our kids. But but just spending our latter years with our best friend, yeah. doing the work that God's called us to do together, is so rich and so fulfilling that I, I can't imagine. We I try to communicate that message to people all the time. You know, your kids are going to go, mm-hmm. and then you're going to be stuck in a home with a stranger. Yeah. Unless you develop that friendship and that that heart Amen. for serving the Lord together. Amen. Yeah, and that's 
and that's ex- exactly where we are as well. We really best friends and and like you know best friends and being together whole heart in the Lord and you know I, I, to me I, I not that we're talking about marriage per se but just you know to me one of the most important things for a Christian husband and wife to do is not only nurture their individual relationship with Jesus but cultivate a shared relationship yeah. with Jesus to where they're they're they they're able to and it may be uncomfortable but you can develop it just keep at it to just pray together in a way that is just you're both coming to Jesus together yeah you know John every every man every Christian man knows what Ephesians 5:22 says mm-hmm. But we forget what Ephesians 5.21 says. <laughs> right. Submit to one another yeah. in reverence to the Lord. And, and see, yeah. that's when true partnership comes on. Paula is my sounding board. Uh, Paula is the one I go to first for counsel. I want mm-hmm. her prayer counsel. Uh, I know she's the only person on this earth who's always and only one of the best for me. And there's just this developed trust. It's yeah. deeper than just friendship. Yeah. But it's wonderful to have fun. With, yeah. your, with your spouse. Yeah. Amen. And vital. Yeah. If, if you're going to serve the Lord, if you're going to serve the Lord. Hey, on the other side of the break, we are going to uh, talk about some other things. Uh, the, the one thing I want to talk with John the most about, we'll head off. But we will still take your phone calls and questions. <clears throat> so, uh, 340-9585, that's area code 210, or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. And if you've got Bible questions or questions about what John is doing in Canada, or just anything that's on your heart, take advantage of the wisdom that's here. You are listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And we will be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Friday show. This is another week that has just flown by. Hey, a couple of scheduling notes just to keep everybody involved. Uh, we will not be having church here tonight. Uh, at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. I know we always have a Friday night service. There's two times a year, the men's retreat and the women's retreat that we don't. And frankly, if we men tried to get together and do anything organized without our wives, we would be completely lost. So uh, no church tonight, no live stream, of course. And we will be back next week with our regular Friday night service schedule. And then, of course, on Sunday, uh, Pastor John is going to be speaking here at our church. Uh, 8.30, 10.15, and 11.59 are our service times. And all of those services will be live streamed at calvarysa.com. Remember, if you have any questions, whether Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, or just questions about what John is doing in Canada, uh, please feel free to call us at 340-9585. John, the one thing I want to talk to you the most about, there's a lot of talk about revival with Asbury in the news. 
Uh, and with the Jesus Revolution movie yeah. that has just come out, which is really near and dear to our hearts because it's it's really about the Calvary Chapel movement yeah. uh, as as the Jesus People movement was was going on. And I've been wanting to ask you this on the radio since I knew you were coming. Uh, you were there <laughs> yeah. during the Jesus days, yeah. And and uh, of course, my hard heart, I missed it. Um, talk about your response to the Jesus Revolution movie, which is still out and people are still going to see it. And 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 give us a sort of a picture of what it was like to be back there when the Spirit of God was moving so powerfully. Well, uh, first of all, I can't recommend the Jesus Movement movie uh, high enough. I mean, I just if you haven't seen it, see it and uh, go back again too. I, I saw it for the second time. Just so blessed for us. It, yeah, it brought back just a flood of memories. You know, sometimes when I'm trying to just quickly describe what it was like during the Jesus People revival, because it was such a sovereign move of God, I, I would say to somebody, it was like back then. Uh, the Spirit was just so ready to bring salvation that sometimes it would feel like you just smile at someone and they drop down and say, what do I need to do? Be saved. I mean, literally it, it was just, it was just such a sovereign work. Um, which even, I mean, like in the movie, there's Lonnie Frisbee and Chuck Smith, so vital to kind of, well, especially Chuck bringing God's word. This doesn't come out in the movie, but bringing God's word to these hippies who we are finding Jesus. We are on fire for Jesus, but we don't know a thing yet, you know, about what the word teaches or truth. We're just learning. And so we so needed the solid teaching of the word, and that's what God did through Chuck and blessed Chuck for that. And you were you but, were telling me yesterday that that it, you were like wandering around for a year trying to figure out what it meant to be a Christian and kind of what's next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, uh, you know, one of the things that that uh, again the movie is just a slice. It's really a slice through uh, Greg Laurie's experience, and it's a great slice, and it gives you a feel for what was going on. But the the move of God was global. And I was in Northern California experiencing it long before I even knew about Cal- uh, Calvary Chapel or anything. And then the Lord just wonderfully let me be brought back down and be in the middle of that. So uh, it was just, it was happening all over. Talk about Lonnie for a bit. Um, he, he was certainly a polarizing figure, but, but, but in some ways sort of a mystical figure. Because even after all these years... The people yeah. that knew him are having a hard time sort of figuring out who he is and what he's doing. Well, I did not know Lonnie that well. He only came through just a couple times during my time in Southern California. So Lonnie, I didn't know other than the later years. And he was gone from Calvary for a while. He came back for another season. Um, Chuck was always gracious. Um, you know, was always gracious. Uh, to open the door uh, as people would grow and go through different seasons in life and ministry. But I, I honestly can't speak a lot to Lonnie um, other than I could say, well, there's other guys like Lonnie that that were that the Lord raised up all over um, that just were. So, so I would say if you see the movie, you see Lonnie, you could picture, although he was maybe at a peak, so to speak, uh, there were other Lonnies 
that the Lord raised up all over to to various degrees. Yeah, and I've got some questions. I'd like to to talk to you about the music mm-hmm. element of the of the revival. Let's take a quick break and go to a phone call we've got from Seguin, Texas. Our friend Ruben on line one. Ruben, thank you for your patience. You're on the air. Oh, God bless you, Pastor Ron. I always just love listening to you. Listening to you talk while while I'm waiting for you to answer my call. So patience is <laughs> it's a virtue, and I'll, I'll wait for you forever because I love See, you. You know I love the, you. And <laughs> well, there's a crown waiting for me. I, I helped Reuben achieve patience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have. You have. Um, not a particular biblical question. Uh, I'd like to... Uh, refer to the, uh, is it Pastor John? Is that his mm-hmm. name? Yeah. Yes. Oh, hi, Pastor John. My name is Hi Ruben. there. Hi, um, Ruben. Um, Pastor Ron will tell you about me. Ten years of a long story. <laughs> Ten years <laughs> of, uh, we've known each other via the radio. But, um, Pastor, I wanted to know, um, and he, if I heard correctly, you're in Canada? Yes. What's what's the um and I hate to say religious but I guess I'm gonna use that word just per se right now. What is the religious tolerance up there as opposed to the states down here and um since they uh have a different um I wanna say economic uh structure, different uh you know, medical um, structure, as in you know, uh, uh, healthcare reform and all that, and um, LGBTQ and T sure. and all that. What is what is is, is 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 it greater down here than it is up there, or is it about the same? Well, first of all, just uh, as a caveat, I've I've only been in uh, Canada for just over a year, and so some of that I'm still trying to find out myself. Uh, but if you're looking at the climate towards the churches, in general, because Canada, of course, it's, it's a different kind of government, and they actually have a kind of a, well, for instance, the Catholic schools are part of the regular public uh, school system. So on the one hand, and they have certain things built in where there's certain uh, financial, not kickbacks, but financial assistances to churches. So on the one hand, there's things that they do that are positive towards the church. But but in the bigger picture, I'd say in terms of culturally, socially right now, and especially in terms of moral issues that really are litmus tests for us as believers, they unfortunately are ahead of California as far as being anti uh, some of the clear teaching of the word. Um, they're much, they're further advanced on LGBTQ and, but especially euthanasia. Euthanasia is established in the country, not only established, but they have recently been promoting it. Uh, you know, a, a, a recent thing in the news was where, uh, this, uh, a, a, a gal who was a veteran and a wheelchair and she needed, you know, just something for stairs and her living thing and was going through years and years trying to get it. And finally the government said, well, have you considered euthanasia? <laughs> uh, and, and worse than that, they are, they are actually, I mean, 
I've stopped saying, well, I can't imagine that such a thing would happen, but there's actually been discussions of having euthanasia available for children without parental consent. How can you, how, well, okay. (laughs) How can you, so, so Ruben, um, you know, the climate is a mixed bag because there's a certain, Canadians have a nice kind of a um, surface politeness. And, and so, uh, and, and the, our church there is, is mostly, we were surprised, mostly 30 somethings, young families are there that love the Lord. Um, and then the outreach is, is broader than that. But I don't know if that helps you much because I'm still trying to figure it out and it's kind of a mixed bag. But unfortunately, in terms of, say, the direction where America is going, in terms of just codifying yeah. uh, ungodly standards, Canada is more advanced in the negative yeah. sense than we are. Well, thank you, Ruben, for the call. Appreciate it very, thank very you, much. Thank you. You, you know, what, John. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Ruben. Thanks. You know, one of the, one of the things that, that um, uh, I say uh, a lot on the radio program and answer to questions. You know, we're living. In the, I think in the last hours of the yes, last days, yes. And 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 what you just said about euthanasia in particular, but also the LGBTQ mm-hmm. issues, um, you know, I, I believe God has permitted lying spirit, because there's no way that that's reasonable. It wouldn't make sense to a human being. There's no way you could come to that conclusion unless. Um, you were being deceived by the enemy, and, and it's just well, so satanic. I, I, I'm totally on board with that, you know, because when I when I go through that, the natural reaction is, how in the world? And then, you know, knowing the word, knowing what God's shown us and how things work, I come to the exact same conclusion. Yeah. You know, it, it's this is what a spiritual deception looks like. Yeah. And stuff that we, we wouldn't even think possible to believe is now just so commonplace and ordinary it's it's just we're the we're the weirdos now well yeah and and you know another way i'd look at it and you know understand this theologically is i believe in the pre-trib rapture and that will that will be kind of the final removal of the holy spirit's restraining restraining influence but it certainly feels at this point that the holy spirit is already pulling back his restraining influence on the world. So it's not only the deceiving spirit, but it's kind of like the wrapping away the covered. People just don't understand the benefits of of, of a Christian culture uh, in a society, yeah. you know, in helping to have a protection and peace, even if you're not a believer. Yeah. And uh, that's being peeled away. And what you're seeing is, okay, this is who we are. When you take the wrappings off, apart from Jesus Christ, yeah. imagine being in a room with just a little bit of light, and then the light goes out. And that, that's what we're experiencing. You know, in Paul's last and most personal letter, yeah. uh, writing Timothy, he goes, "Timothy, mark this, make a note of this. In the last days, there will be terrible times." One translation, another one says, "Perilous times," and we're living in those times. And I think, especially here in the United States, um, we're slow to believe that. We, we want to believe it's going to be okay in the United States as a Christian nation. It's not. Uh, yeah. We've we've turned away from God. We've we've excused God from every part of our lives. 
And it just gets darker and darker and darker. And sometimes yeah. I get criticized. People say, well, you're not giving us much hope. Well, our hope is in heaven. Yeah. Our hope is above. This isn't our home. Yeah. And I, it just it's just interesting because you mentioned you're quoting Second Timothy, and I was just teaching from that. And so I took I was looking a little bit more at that word terrible or perilous time. So I just wanted to understand it better because we're there. And it was interesting because there's two ways that we see that. It's only used one other time time in the New Testament, and that's to to describe the violence of the demoniac in the Gospels. So on the one hand, it, it's talking about a time when when just the the violence is is overwhelming. But but as I looked further into it, it, the, it has the idea of just that that things feel like they're more than you can handle. Yeah. And I thought, well, that really captures it. I think how many are feeling today. It's like all that's going on is I can't handle it. It's more. And apart from Jesus, we can't. You know, John, I, I don't want to turn, take a political turn here at all, but but <laughs> we've got as a country, as Christians in this country, we've got to stop believing that our hope is going to come from Washington, D.C. Oh, if yeah. only the next election or only the next candidate or only the next platform will be accepted, then everything will be better. It's not going to get any better. Amen. I mean, well, the, the darker it is, the the more evil is going to be exposed, and at, at at any moment now we could be taken out of here, and we'd be with the Lord, and then the lights all go out. Well, like you're saying, people might say, "Hey, you know, where's the hope in this?" Well, the hope in this is is for me, it's like it was re it's rekindled. If uh, going back to the Jesus Revolution film, you know, it's not just a picture of something incredible God did. And I mean, like with Calvary Chapel, so many of the pastors, we, we were those hippies, you know, yeah. and we've lived lives for Jesus, you know, the best we can by his grace and his grace is more than enough. And, uh, and, and so you've got that, but it also, I, I would hope, and I know with many I've talked to rekindle that hope uh, and and maybe even expectation that God would do another revival like that. And whether Asbury is the first uh, tickings of that, you know, the first seeds of that, I don't know. But uh, to me, what you're saying is there's only one answer is Jesus. And, and if you want to see a change in the nation, it's ultimately got to be revival. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's us bringing Jesus to others, but ultimately, if there's any hope for the nation, it's going to be a divine, sovereign outpouring of God's spirit uh, in revival of our nation. Yeah, I think I think a revival, John, will affect the church because be, there'll be a return to holiness. Yeah, we'll repent yeah. of our sin. Yeah, and that can lead then to an awakening where people get saved. And and the, the the most beautiful thing about the the Jesus movement and and uh, uh, the movie that portrays this is that all these hippies who were the dredges of society. I mean, I was one of them. Yeah, I yeah, was kind of a yeah. hippie. I played baseball, so I could only be a hippie part time. But but you were you were <laughs> yeah. you were full blown into it. Yeah. But but people looked at us with disgust. Yeah. And and uh, curse at you under their breath because of the way you looked and and hippies were just you know flashing peace signs and 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 doing drugs and dropping out and and nobody ever would have believed that God would have anything to do with with those hippies and yet that's exactly where God started at the bottom. Well, yeah, I mean I experienced it as others. I mean, came to, to Jesus so excited about Jesus. I really don't know anything about it. We had to rediscover 
the truth and, and all that, and literally coming to a church and being told, looked at and told, you know, you need to go cut your hair and change your clothes and, and then come back. And and I remember when that happened to me, I wasn't even offended. I just said, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, oh, okay, you know, because I just love Jesus and we got, we're, we're all meeting wherever we can just because we love him and we want to talk about him, you know, we want to grow in him. And so, but, but there was that disdain, that reaction, uh, which I think the church has towards so many of these groups that we, yes, we rightly oppose what they stand for, but we don't oppose their souls. We want them to come to Jesus. We love them. And, and so in one sense, there should be some encouragement because the conflict that's going on in the world today is much like the climate that it was when the Lord poured out the Spirit. I believe, John, that that if there is an awakening, if people are going to get saved en masse, and you and I, we're praying for one more great move of God's Spirit in that way. But but to me, it seems most likely that it would begin in the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, God seems to go as low as he has to go Mm -hmm. to get those that are most desperate. And then the, the change in their lives is what he uses to sort of light up the people that think they're okay. Well, I, you know, I was sharing my personal story, and it, it involved me. I was searching for truth and feeling like I couldn't find it, coming to despair and literally trying to take my life, almost succeeding, taking a bottle of sleeping pills, ended up in a coma for three days. Uh, they didn't know if I'd live or I'd be a vegetable. If I, you know, I went through all that, and then, you know, I... It rekindled my search to thinking, well, maybe there is a God. Maybe you let me live. Maybe, you know, I can find ultimate truth. And uh, so then when I finally did give my life to Jesus, I didn't I really even understand what I'd say, the mechanics. You know, I'm a sinner. He died on the cross for my sins. That You know, I didn't understand even that. I just was looking for what's the real thing. What's the ultimate truth? And... And uh, so my prayer, my my prayer that that began my life with him was, uh, Jesus, I, I think you're real, and I think you're there, and so if you are, you can have my life. I made a mess of it. If you can do anything with it, it's yours. And uh, and that's that's it. Like you're saying, you know, he reached down to those. I mean, I was without hope. I saw no worth in my life, and it's like okay. Well, if you can do it. And, of course, for me, I came out of that prayer. I'm, you know, mine was one of those instantaneous transitions where often it's a period of time and, yeah. and happens in layers. So, you know, I think yeah. we, I think we, we have to be honest enough, honest enough to say I've made a mess in my life. And that's so yeah. hard for Americans is because there's always, well, maybe this will get better or maybe this will fix it or, um, but we've got to get to the point where we say, look, everything I've touched, I've destroyed. Yeah. I'm, I'm in pain. I've caused pain to others. Uh, and I think because of that and, and your story and mine are similar only in this way. Um, when we gave our life to Jesus, when that moment came, mm-hmm. um, the transformation was instantaneous. Yeah. It, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't okay. I'm going to test this out or stick my toe in the water and and take mm-hmm. the temperature. It was man, we were all in from yeah. the very beginning, yeah. and and that seems to be people are not willing to to leave their sin, or they're not quite willing yet to say, well, you know, I I don't really have anything to offer, and we've been raised to believe in self-esteem and you got to be proud of yourself, 
And, um, you know, it's hard for a lot of people to get to the point where you say, you know what? I'm the chief of sinners. Well, you know, it's, it's like the, uh, there's so many, like, uh, reverse principles in the kingdom of God. Yeah. You know, lose your life and you gain it. You know? Hard, that, hardest thing, I think, the hardest verse in the, in the scriptures for for American Christians to accept is, if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. Yeah. yeah. Find your life, you're going to lose it. That's completely off. But Jesus turns all that right side up. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was in this great search, yeah, to find myself, and uh, self-esteem wasn't—it wasn't the term we would use, but you know, just find myself, feel good about myself, all that. And and of course, the amazing thing is, when I came to when when you come to Jesus, one of the byproducts that to me was kind of like oh, surprise, was not only that I got to know Him, but you know, He's He's my Creator. He know He knows me better than I know myself. So he basically was able to introduce me to to the real me, yeah. you know, the real me in him. You yeah. know, it's really hard that he created me to be. It's really hard to fool Jesus. Yeah. And, and yeah. he doesn't let you get too far from that. You, know, you start going down that, I'm okay, I'm not that bad kind of thing. He, he, he actually makes you confront who you really are. Yeah, yeah. And he does, he does it in a way of love that when he says the hard things, you know how we all are. You can hear the hard things better from someone that you know loves you and wants the best for you. And when Jesus tells us the hard things and we need to hear the hard things, they come from a heart of love, the love of the one who gave his life for us. Yeah. Well, I, I had so much I want to talk to you about, about the music, the, the way music played uh, into the Jesus movement. Uh, you're, you are a musician. You and Laura sing and yeah. record and yeah. write songs. And uh, we've got a couple minutes. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Well, uh, I was, you know, before I knew the Lord, I was, I played in rock bands. And I, again, with part of it, I was a hippie rock band guy and doing the drugs and all the stuff. And, and then when I found Jesus and I wrote songs and then when I found Jesus, my songs, they just naturally started to be about my life and it was Jesus. And so the next thing I knew, uh, you know, People were having me sing at, at events and coffee, these Christian coffee houses were popping up and reaching out. And so we did that. Then I met Laura. She's got a beautiful voice and she started singing. And so that just became a part of our life. And that's part of what ultimately connected us with Maranatha Music, which was an outreach of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And that's how we got connected down with Calvary Chapels and Chuck Smith. But I mean, yeah, all kinds of, uh, Stories that got to be part of helping these bands with the Jesus message get out further and further at the time through radio, TV, and vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> and and you had you had no idea you were changing the 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 music the, the Christian music industry completely. Contemporary Christian music didn't exist. Yeah, and, and it meant be you know when we first started, I tried to get the albums out to the Christian radio stations, and they wouldn't play it. Oh, my Until goodness. we did the, the praise album. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. Please keep praying for our ladies. Laura Cowan is uh, our featured speaker for the ladies. Um, John will be here Sunday, all three services teaching. I uh, hope you've been blessed. He's been a blessing to us. Um, we look forward to seeing you. You've been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh, and today my guest has been Pastor John Cowan from a lot of different places. <laughs> 
And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And remember, as you're going about your life, wherever it is, restaurant, a grocery store, whatever you're doing, there's somebody who's really hurting and needs to hear the message of hope, of eternal life in Jesus Christ. God bless you. We'll see you Monday, Lord willing. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The word to stand on for life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.